And probably that same kid that was saying, I know, I know, the little guy throws the stone at Goliath. He, uh, he someday is going to come to his uh, mom or, or dad, and uh, he's going to say the same thing over and over. He's going to say, knock, knock, and what will he hear? Okay, he's going to say, knock, knock, Xavier, save your breath and open the door. Knock, knock, he's going to say, who's there? Knock, knock, hatch, bless you, cover your mouth next time. He's going to say, knock, knock, a little old lady. I didn't know you could yodel. Last, uh, actually, I was going to say last one. I got one more, but literally, literally, I'm outside after the 9.30 service, and this little kid comes up to me and goes, knock, knock. It's the only thing the kid heard the whole time, and the mom said, all during the service, he was going, knock, knock, (laughs) knock, knock. Last one, knock, knock. Thermos. There must be a better knock, knock joke than this one. Kids can do that for hours and hours. They can do it long after you want to just stop the car and open the door. <laughs> and and what's, what's behind that, of course, is this idea that we want to know who's on the other side of the door. We want to know who it is. We want to know who it really is. And we're in a series here as we go toward Easter where Jesus is saying to people, Not knock, knock, but who do people say that I am? Who's on the other side of the door here? Who is Jesus, really? And who does Jesus think that I am? That's uh, knock, knock is for kids. When you get to be an adult, same story, different thing. You hear classics. You you probably had to read Homer, the Iliad, and, and the Odyssey in school. One of the great tales He writes the Iliad first to remind us that all of life is a battle, the Trojan War. And then he writes the Odyssey to say that all of life is a journey to find your way back home, the Iliad and the Odyssey. You remember the story. As as a young man, the Greek king Ulysses is called to the Trojan War. And he leaves his kingdom of Ithaca, and he promises his wife, who's Penelope, and his baby son, Telemachus, and his friends, and his dog. He promises everybody, I'll be right back. But the war is ten years long. The journey home is treacherous. The fates decreed that it would be twenty years before Ulysses finally gets back to Ithaca. And shortly before he gets back to Ithaca, To free his wife and son, he has heard that there are people trying to take over the kingdom and force his wife to marry them. Shortly before he gets home, the Greek goddess Athena disguises Ulysses so that nobody will recognize him as a beggar. And he comes to his home and he's not recognized by his baby son, no surprise, by his wife, big surprise, by his best friend, nobody recognizes him. And he sees how bad it is. And the story goes on and says, when he finally gets to his villa, his home, he's all alone. 
And Ulysses comes upon a white dog, weak with age, whom he recognizes as his beloved puppy, Argus. And despite 20 years and his master's disguise, Argus immediately recognizes Ulysses. When the dog hears Ulysses' voice, he weakly lifts his head and cocks his ears and struggles to get to his feet. And Ulysses bends down to cradle the only one who recognizes him in his hands. My dear Argus, he whispers with tears in his eyes, and the faithful dog who hears his master's voice dies in Ulysses' arms. The dog didn't need to go knock-knock. He recognized his master's voice. Now, I got to tell you, I think there's all kinds of reasons in life not to recognize who's right in front of us, not to recognize God, not to recognize who's most important, but I got to tell you, I think in the end, we come to know what we love the most. Let me say that again. We come to know what we love the most because love changes our eyes. That's what's happening in the story of Jesus that Luke tells. Uh, The part of the story we're going to look at today is a week before Holy Week. Jesus is walking to Jerusalem where the prophets all go to die. And it's just right before that, he gets about six miles away is the town of Jericho, the city, one of the most ancient cities in the world. It's famous now because we know about Joshua going around the walls of Jericho and the walls tumbling down. Jesus tells the story about the good Samaritan who rescues somebody on the road to Jericho. But Jesus is coming into the city of Jericho, and as he does, he hears a blind man yelling out from the side of the road, Hey, hey, is that Jesus? Hey, is that Jesus? And instead of being shut up, he yells even louder, and so Jesus goes over and heals the man, and the crowds go wild. It says, they all applauded, and everyone praised God. This is what happens next to the real popular guy. Luke, chapter 19, comes immediately next. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man named Zacchaeus was the chief tax collector, very wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. That's why kids love this story. They're short too. They often feel like they're left out. They're straining to understand, trying to understand what the jokes are all about, hearing about this Jesus stuff. They're straining to see. They love this story. So Zacchaeus runs ahead, climbs into a fig tree to see Jesus because he was coming that way. When Jesus reached the tree, he looks up and says, Zacchaeus, come down. I must stay at your house today. It would be like stopping the parade and looking up and seeing Ebenezer Scrooge or Don Corleone, the godfather, or El Chapo, the drug dealer, up in the tree and not going, got him, but instead saying, oh, hey, come on down. Let's have a bite to eat. I must eat with you today. You are infamous and powerful and feared and despised. I must eat with you today. It's an odd phrase. I must do this. It's the same thing that Jesus says in John chapter 4 when it says Jesus 
had to go through Samaria. Jesus must go through Samaria. He really didn't have to. Usually they walk around Samaria because that's where all the bad people are. It says Jesus must go to Samaria and see the woman at the well. It's not about geography. It's certainly not about customs. It's about his mission. And here's the part of the story that adults like. Kids like climbing into the tree. What adults love about the story of Zacchaeus is that there is this yearning to see who Jesus really might be. The sense that there's something, whether I'm wealthy or broke, there's something that is incomplete in my life and could this Jesus help? But adults, unlike kids, they want to stay up in the tree. They want to stay a safe distance away. It's not until Jesus stops and says, hey, not hey you, but Zacchaeus, come on down. So Zacchaeus came down at once and welcomed Jesus gladly. The crowd saw this, the people saw this, and everyone began to mutter or murmur. Everyone, all of them began to mutter, he's gone to be the guest of that sinner. This is the only time in the story of Jesus, all the stories of Jesus, the only time where he disappoints everybody. Sometimes he disappoints the disciples. Sometimes he disappoints the crowd. Sometimes he disappoints the Pharisees. This time, everybody is grumbling. They're going, him? Jesus, don't you have any idea who that is? God, don't you have any class at all? What are you spending time with him for? The story of Zacchaeus is the reminder that God has no class at all. Aren't you glad? It says, I think hearing this, it says, but Zacchaeus stood up and said to Jesus, look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor, and if I've cheated anybody, I'll pay back four times the amount. And Jesus said to him, I've read this for 50 years. I've read this story. The first time this last week I read it, it said, Jesus said to him, Jesus didn't say to the crowd. Jesus said to Zacchaeus, to him first, today, today salvation has come into this house. What a great phrase. Salvation has walked into your house. Salvation has come into the house because Jesus has come into the house. Then he turns to the crowd. He says, this man too is a son of Abraham, one of the special ones, one of the beloved ones. That'd be like saying, this man too is a beloved child of God. You know him as David Duke. I call him child of God. No wonder everybody's grumbling. Then he ends the story. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. I love that ending. The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. My favorite story in the Bible is probably the prodigal son, which is you know, right before this. Prodigal son is great, but the prodigal son says, and the boy afar off turned back toward his father and walked home. And when his father saw him, he ran out to him. This is a better story. This is Jesus saying, my job is to come and save and seek the lost, even if they're up in a tree, even if everybody else hates them. Who do you say that I am? Knock, knock. Who's really there? It's Jesus. Each of 
Each of us want to know who Jesus really is. Luke tells his story and he weaves together three themes. Through the whole story of Jesus, Luke says there's three things if you want to understand who Jesus is. They all happen right in this little story. Three themes to understanding who is Jesus. First, we recognize Jesus in the problem of riches and what to do about it. You will see Jesus more clearly when you deal with money the way that God wants you to deal with money. This story, this is a good story, right? Bad, wealthy guy ends up doing good. It comes right after a bad story, a good, wealthy guy who doesn't do good. You remember that story? It, it says, and a young man who was very wealthy came up to Jesus and says, I'm in, right? What do I need to do to be saved? And Jesus says, you've been so good for so long. The only thing you have to do is give up your money and follow me. And it says the man went away very sad because he was so wealthy. His money had a death grip on his soul. And the story there says, and Jesus looked at him and loved him. That's a sad story. This is the unexpected story. A bad rich guy has Jesus stop in front of him and he gives up his money to follow Jesus. When money starts to talk, it shouts louder. When money starts to talk, it shouts louder than the other voices of honesty or respect or dignity. Money can become a siren song. Can you just imagine the reactions of Zacchaeus' neighbors during his career? His neighbors see Zacchaeus get a bigger, bigger, bigger house. They see slaves start to come into the house. They see new clothes all the time. They see these incredible banquets. And all of that wealth is happening with their money. When money starts to talk, it shouts louder. There's a commentator, a scholar named N.T. Wright. And N.T. Wright says, when money changes hands, there's always the temptation for someone's hands to get dirty. When money changes hands, there's always the temptation for somebody's hands to get dirty. It could be across a tax collecting table in the first century. It could be across a computer screen. Sometimes it's about what we have. Sometimes it's about how we get it. And sometimes it's about what we do with it. And in this story, when Jesus sees Zacchaeus and Zacchaeus sees Jesus, the power of money falls away. That's number one. Number two, the second theme in the, in the book of Luke, is do you want to know who Jesus really is? Spend more time with the wrong people. You're not going to find Jesus with the good people. Spend more time with the wrong crowd. Jesus identifies with sinners. That's why everybody's upset. Jesus is spending time with sinners, and his reputation pays the price. My question is, if you're going to be with Jesus, will your reputation ever pay the price? Will you just know goody-two-shoes people, or will you reach out and love people that others don't love? I said at the start that everybody, everybody is complaining in this story. They're all muttering. Where are you in this story? Are you one of the people who is muttering about all those hypocrites? 
outside the church, they've got all the clothes, the cars, the, the careers, the, the looks. They don't need God. Are you muttering about them? Or are you here today muttering about all those hypocrites inside the church? Do all the right things, say all the right things, but their faith is about an inch deep. Are you today struggling to see who Jesus is? But you're afraid to get too close. Do you feel like you're up a tree? And the reason I say that is uh, you feel like you're up a tree in the sense that if Jesus stops and the crowd gathers and everybody looks up at you, are you going to feel comfortable with what they see? Or if they saw the real you, would you be ashamed like your pastor would be ashamed? I would be. You want to know who Jesus really is? Spend more time with the wrong crowd and be ready when Jesus stops and says, hey, you, yeah, I'm talking to you. Come on down. The, the, the last theme in the story of Luke, who do you say that I am, is this. Faith recognizes Jesus because Jesus has already recognized them. Faith recognizes Jesus because Jesus has already recognized their faith, their hunger. And the result of recognizing Jesus is you get a new chance at life. Zacchaeus, it says, he's at his house and he jumps up and he says, look, Lord, not look, Jesus, look, Rabbi, look, Lord, boss, I'm giving it all away. You're more important than all of that. It's a new life. Now, he is not called by Jesus to give everything away. He's just changed. People are changed when they are loved, not when they're guilted, not when they're shamed, not when they're scared. People are changed when they're loved. Zacchaeus receives unexpected love. Is that what you need today? Unexpected love. We started with Homer. Let's end with uh, Hemingway. I love Hemingway. He, he writes a short story. Hemingway writes a, a story called The Capital of the World. And it's a, a lot about bullfighting like a, many of his uh, thing, themes are. But this also features a young man named Paco. Paco runs away from the hills to the big city of Madrid. Fights with his father and runs away. And um, his father wants him back. And so halfway through the short story... His father comes to Madrid and cannot find his son, Paco. And so he puts in the Madrid newspaper a want ad. And in the want ad, he says, Paco, come to the Hotel Montana, noon on Tuesday. All is forgiven. Let's go home. Paco, come to the Hotel Montana, noon Tuesday. All is forgiven. Papa, we'll go home. And the story goes that the father walks around the corner of the plaza where the hotel is, and the plaza is filled with police, pushing back a crowd. And there are in the plaza 800 young men named Paco, (laughs) all of whom are wishing that their father would show up and bring them home. All is forgiven. Zacchaeus, come on down. Come on down, we gotta go home. You know, the the important thing in this story, as often is the case, 
the important thing is the last thing that Jesus says. The last thing that Jesus says here is, for the Son of Man has come to save and to seek the lost. This is the the very week before Holy Week, and Jesus is looking down the road to Jerusalem. He's almost there. D, next week, D is going to talk about Jesus' entry into the city on Palm Sunday. But today, the complaint is Jesus has gone into the house to spend time with a sinner. Isn't that terrible? But the story is going to change next week to say he's gone out of the city to die with the thieves on a cross. And he'll have the same reason for both, to seek and to save the lost. Zacchaeus throws a feast because Jesus came into the house. But Zacchaeus' table becomes Jesus' table. Because wherever Jesus is the host, wherever Jesus is in the house, he takes the bread and he breaks it and he says, this is for you, my body broken. And if you're serving great wine, he pours the wine into the cup and says, this is the blood that will forgive your sins. Whenever you eat this bread and drink from this cup, You proclaim my death for you until I come again. Jesus is passing through. And Jesus stops and looks right at you and says, um, come on down. I have to eat with you today. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you're still stopping here because there's a lot of days when I feel like Zacchaeus. I'm so glad that other people don't see me the way that you do. They'd turn away. You stop. And you love me anyway. I thank you, Lord God, that you stop in front of every one of us and that you know our names, that you want us to share a meal with you a meal that will give us hope and life and love to last. Amen. It is our pattern here that uh, I'll serve the servers. Why don't you guys come up? And then after we've served the servers, uh, they'll direct you to a place where you can take a piece of bread and dip it into the cup around the other way. There's gluten-free in the back if you need that. This is, a, this is the Feast of Zacchaeus. And we all have been asked by Jesus to come. This is not for Presbyterians or Catholics or Baptists or, or good people. It's for all the children of God. If it's not your day, let the music be our gift to you.